So I'm going to catch you guys off guard um, and ask you a question that we may have talked about recently, but maybe not. Is there a thing that you're interested in that you would be willing to learn that doesn't relate to the business, that's just purely for your own, like, to get better, to be broader, to be more... Yeah. I, I don't know, just to expand yourself. What what would be a thing that you would be willing to put in, like, daily study or daily uh, practice or something like that, just to learn a thing that's not related to making stuff? Languages. I've tried several times. I've... I've tried Farsi because I was in a long-term relationship with an Iranian young lady years ago, and that didn't last. I learned stuff; it went away. And then I was uh, always going to China, so I was trying to learn how to speak Chinese, and that went away. That didn't last. And then uh, Taylor and I were trying to learn Italian together, and I gave up on that. But yeah, learning another language is is impossible. For me. It's not impossible. It's not, not impossible. Not impossible, but it's impossible for me to stick with it. So therefore, it defaults to impossible. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not impossible. No, it's just one of those things you got to really, really, really want it. And then, you know, I figured when I was learning Farsi, which is the Iranian language, I was learning because I, I, we basically lived together. This was when I was in my 20s. And, you know, so that was easy. But if you ask me now, I can't remember anything. But, you know, when you're with somebody, and then also in Hong Kong, working with a lot of the uh, factory managers and stuff, everybody spoke Chinese, Mandarin and Cantonese, and I was learning a little of both. And I, I had, I don't know, 25 words, 30 words back then. You know, I, I can't remember anything now. I can actually count from one to 10, I think, but I'd have to think about it for a minute. But that was, you know, learning a language is definitely on that list. Hmm. That's a tough one because everything that I learn, I try to incorporate into the videos somehow. Um, I'm assuming this is going to fall back on your getting an aquarium. But, um, man, I, I guess I want to get into small engine, um, just basically how small engines work. But if I get into that and I, down the road, build, build a small engine for the go-kart i know it'll turn into a video so i don't know that there's anything that's that's just for me as far as learning there are hobbies that i have uh that i think is mostly for me and 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 not so much for the videos but as far as learning something that's that's just to feel like it it feels like a thing that i have to share with everybody Hmm. well okay well with the hobbies like what's I know photography and music are big things for you, but they still both kind of end they up do. flowing into. Yeah, yeah. Is there something else that that like we never see or like that hasn't made it into mm. the videos yet? No, actually, that all makes it into the videos. The go kart build <laughs> is definitely for me because I am not I'm not filming every little bit of it, and I'm not making a video of, of everything. I'm going to jump in and do an update video and maybe do a broad overview, but it's not going to be a step-by-step because I don't want the pressure of the camera. I don't want the pressure of, yeah. of the time constraints. But, um, yeah, I think I've just learned to adapt to make everything that I do part of the business. I guess that's why I brought it up, because I think most of us do that. Because we don't, you know, when you work for yourself, you want to make the most efficient use of your time. And if, if so, if you invest part of your life into this thing that can't funnel down to add to the bottom line, or at least your productivity or something, it feels like you're kind of wasting time. Mm-hmm. But um, so the, the fish tank did 
partially bring this up, but also I I hit somewhere in the last couple of weeks I've hit a year of learning Italian. Oh no and way! So, yeah, so I've been like so learning Italian it. through Duolingo, which I wish they were a sponsor, but they're not. But it is a pretty awesome app. Um, I've been learning it for a year because I started learning it last year in preparation to go to Italy to hang out with Jocko. And so I only got like a couple of months of it in before going to Italy. And so I didn't learn enough of it for it to even be useful. It was like, it felt completely useless. Ciao. You know how to say ciao. <laughs> I know, so, uh, yeah. I know that just from watching Jocko because he ends every Do day with ciao, ciao. <laughs> Dewey. Does that mean two? Dewey. Actually, you know what's funny? I've been learning it for a year and I still don't know how to count because that's not <laughs> been part of the, I don't know any numbers. Well, one, but, but the point is like, um, I started doing it in preparation for that trip. And then we, I went on that trip two months later, didn't really use any of it. Cause I was too, like, I think I've talked about that before. I was just too anxious. I didn't want to offend anybody with my like over, you know, like moving my hands too much or like being too stereotypical Italian in the way that I presented language that was bad. So I just didn't use it. And then I got back and thought, well, you know, like I don't really need to learn it anymore because I'm not probably ever going to go to Italy again. But I've already kind of started this investment in learning a new thing yeah. that has no purpose other than just like giving me just, something to learn. Yeah. And I stuck with it and I've been doing it every day There's because the app kind of tracks your daily use. I've been doing it every day for over a year. And... I realized this morning that like a friend of mine, uh, she's from Italy. And so I was looking at her Instagram and a lot of her comments are, or her, the first comment is in Italian. And so I was flipping past it and I looked at it and kind of read it like without even really thinking. And that was the first time I've seen Italian wow. and didn't have to process. And it was super basic. I probably didn't even get the entire sentence, but like I knew what she was trying to say. And that felt really cool just because this little tiny, you know, 10, 15 minute investment every day over the past year, I could read something that before I would have had absolutely no clue what it meant. Yeah, that's fantastic. And because we have been investing that for a year, when we were going back to Maker Central this year, I'm like, we're going back to Italy. Like, it's, it's done. <laughs> we're just we're doing it. And I still can't speak it very well. And I still am going to be super nervous about it and all that stuff. But all right, Bob, say this is the making a podcast. What no, have you been I'm making? not even going to try it. <laughs> not even going to try it. Abla Espanoli. Sure. Look, man, your Italian is fantastic. You should really uh, keep going with that. Abla Italiano. <laughs> yeah, that's it. My grandfather grew up speaking Italian, and I don't think he can speak it fluidly today just because he hasn't used it in a while, but he knows all these little phrases, and it's just great to hear grandpa say things in Italian every once in a while. That's cool. That's cool. So anyway, I, I was just curious about, you know, if you guys had something or if you've ever thought about picking up something like that that's just for the sake of, uh, like, self-improvement. I don't know. Because it's made a big difference for me just to have a thing. Yeah, know? it's a fantastic learning another language. I'm so, I'm so envious of Europeans that come to America and are forced to learn to speak English, but they also have their native language. I'm it's it's amazing to me that people that are multilingual everywhere you go in Europe, everybody's multilingual. It's just part of the culture in Europe and America. We're just like, nope, we just speak English. But <laughs> yeah, it's obviously extremely useful. Willie's Willie speaks fluent Spanish because he grew up, 
partly in Puerto Rico and, and his whole family Spanish in Puerto Rican. And there was a time when Willie said, I'm going to teach you and Taylor only to speak, to speak Spanish. And we're only going to speak Spanish. And we tried it for about two days before we all just gave up on it. We're all just like, yeah, forget it. But <laughs> Willie was going to be our in-house Spanish teacher. And every once in a while, when he and I go on long car drives, I said, teach me some Spanish. Nothing ever sticks though, because we don't practice. But. Yeah. I, I think it would be, much more productive for me to learn it and for it to stick if I had somebody to have conversation with. And like, I I mean, I do know some Italian people that I could text, but phone conversation, like speech is the thing that I really support it in. It's funny because like I've been learning it for a year and I've learned a bunch of verbs, a bunch of nouns, and those are very kind of clear cut. And, you know, I, I tend to make these associations with this word has kind of some variation of an English word in it or some Maybe it's a stretch from my mind, but I have an association. So, like, I can look at something and be like, oh, yeah, that's uh, connected this way, and that means blah. Over the past couple weeks, I've been in adverbs, and I don't know if if it's like a me thing, like a mental thing with how I learn, or if it's adverbs. But adverbs are extremely difficult to remember because they're not as concrete as, like, fish. I don't, this is not related to anything other than just my learning process. So I'm sorry for anyway. That's what this what podcast is, an is adverb? about. Well, so like an adverb would be, you know, anything that describes an action. So uh, in, in this, the stuff that I'm learning is a lot of like already and however, and, uh, it, you know, and then there's a lot of things that are not strictly, I guess they are strictly adverbs. But anyway, all the words I'm learning right now are, you know, however, inside, outside, uh, like there's multiple versions of there, whether you're pointing at something or you mean like there, way over there. And so they're just not as concrete as fish, dog, banana, you know, stuff like that. And man, I'm having a hard time with it, but I've gotten to a point in the learning where now I really probably do need somebody to converse with to take it to the next level. And it's kind of cool. It's frustrating, but it's also kind of cool to know that I've learned something up to a point to where now I have to rely on some like actual uh, on, on somebody else to help me kind of level mm-hmm. it up a little bit to the next thing. So, and you've know, kept it a thing. secret and, and, from us for a whole year. <laughs> well, it wasn't a secret. I thought we'd talked about that. I guess no. Not. Yeah. Well, it's just it's part of my morning routine now. It's you know I get up and get coffee and they get the kids. Jenny takes the kids to school, and as soon as they leave, I sit down with a cup of coffee, do Italian, and then go do my workout and stuff. And it's just like this little segment of my day that always happens. Hmm. And it's it's nice. It's frustrating because it's like having a test right when you wake up <laughs> every morning. Oh, yeah. But, um, but it's good. But also, I, I you know, we were talking about the fish tank, and I did set up my fish tank this weekend. And, uh, you know, we did family stuff all weekend, and I tried not to work, but my son and I set up the fish tank and got it up and running. And and then I sat down with a book that I'd gotten about planet aquariums. And it's mostly about the, the gardening aspect and the chemistry. So there's tons of chemistry that if you want to learn about an aquarium, you can really get good results by spending a little bit of time understanding how to keep everything in check and whatever. But it was another kind of weird thing where I sat down and I was like, I don't have anything that I have to do right now. Nobody needs me. I'm going to sit down and read a book about chemistry for plants in an aquarium. Like, that seems pretty pointless. That seems pretty useless in the overall scheme of things. But it was like, 
I don't know. It was it was kind of cool to set aside a little bit of time that was just for my own edification, you know, just just to be better, to be broader, to mm-hmm. invest a little bit in myself. And it's a thing that my son, my oldest son is he's really into animals and nature and like he just loves learning about all this stuff. And so it's a cool time for us to be able to set that up together and whereas he doesn't have any he's 12, he doesn't have any chemistry uh, you know, background or learning or anything, but we're talking through all this stuff like nitrates and nitrites and what these things are. And he's just, he's open to it because he cares about the animals and the plants and the way this thing looks. And so it's kind of cool that we don't need to know those things, but it's a chance for us to connect on learning. And we're kind of investing in both of us through that hmm. thing. I don't know. I'm kind of running into a couple of interesting things like that. Lately, uh, guitar is another thing that I don't know if we talked about that on here. I talked about it on No Instructions the other day, but uh, I'm not trying to bogart a conversation here either. But I, I've played guitar since I was a teenager, but I've always felt like a faker. Like I don't really know it. I just kind of can me. get around on it. <laughs> See, okay, every person I talk to says the same thing. David just pointed himself, said that's me, and every pretty much every guitar player says, "Yeah, I'm the same way." Um, I guess that's just a feeling that everybody has when you just pick up a guitar. But anyway, I decided uh, after going to Chicago and playing in a studio with Rob that like, I'm going to actually, I'm going to stop feeling like a faker and I'm actually going to learn this. So I bought an online course for music theory for guitar. That's like a 12 week course. I paid for it. I invested in it. So now it's sitting there waiting for me to feel guilty enough to actually do it. (laughs) So (laughs) it's there and I'm just going to invest, not because I want to be a professional musician, not because I want to necessarily release music, although that would be cool to do again. But it's just like I need to finally get over that not knowing and just know that stuff. Hmm. So I'm doing it. Yeah. Anyway, I guess I've maybe this is midlife crisis stuff. I don't know, but I'm at a point where I just (laughs) like (laughs) now that you said that, you know, sure that it is. But but I mean that's that's fairly productive stuff to have a midlife crisis about, right? If that's the yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's funny too because now with with uh, this is redundancy to the tenth degree, but because YouTube is there and learning is is so accessible, and and in my older age, I have a little bit more money than I had ten years ago. What else is also accessible is the idea that I don't have to struggle with not knowing something and I don't have to struggle with not having something. So anybody in this day and age that makes the excuse of like, oh, I wish I could do that because if I had a CNC machine, at this point, you could probably throw a rock and hit somebody that has a CNC machine if you don't have one. So it's accessible to the in the way that you can go to a makerspace, you can go make friends with somebody, you can probably email me and I probably would help you with your part. The... And then also learning <laughs> is, you know, so anybody that makes those excuses is just being a little bit hatery is the point I'm making. Like the other day, I, I, again, and I don't have to struggle with not knowing. The other day, me and Aaron were playing around. I, I, I could talk about this Tonka stool that I made came out really good. And I was using the vinyl cutting machine. And I have the Cricut, which is about the size of a, a, of a lipstick, the Cricut machine. It takes an eight and a half by 11 piece. And, and I said, you know what? I'm always struggling with this particular little tiny thing. I can probably go and for like an extra couple of hundred dollars, buy one that takes like an 18 inch wide piece of paper as a, for instance. And so like right there and then I just, I sent Aaron, I'm like, do, do a little bit of research. See if you can find one of these machines. He goes, yeah, they're only a few hundred dollars, but yeah. 
because of like this mentality, like I grew up with like not having money, not having the ability to meet anybody that knows this thing I want to know. Oh, I just got to focus on what I'm good at. You know, I still have to remind myself, we don't have to live in this box that we've created for ourselves anymore with learning and access to, you know, better equipment at the very least. So, you know, that's, that's a really good point. I, I was sitting here complaining or not complaining, but voicing that I don't have anybody to talk to about this, but I guarantee you there are speech videos in Italian on YouTube that I could just go listen to. And that's not going to help my pronunciation. Like it's nobody's checking me, but at least I would hear the correct way to do it. That's totally there. It's gotta be there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Language speech. That's a couple of years ago, before I got injured, so it was over 10 years ago, I was practicing banjo. And this was before I was a YouTube creator. I was practicing banjo and learning how to play the banjo by just watching like 10-year-olds and 70-year-olds and 20-year-olds all just talking technique on the banjo. And I was getting I was getting somewhere. And then when I had my injury, everything just went off the tracks. But, you know, that, that's something I can get back to. I just haven't done it because then everything else shifted to a different direction for me. But... I remember that experience of just sitting there and watching somebody do something and then trying to repeat it, hit pause, play it again, and then checking and focusing on various teachers that I found where I was learning easily, more easily from than others. So it's all there. Yeah. Uh, So the other night I sat down, I got home early and the whole family was still out. I was like, I'm going to finally sit down and look for a guitar, somebody who teaches and find somebody that I like, you know, with the expectation that I would get like half a lesson somewhere and then have to buy a big thing. And I found this guy just randomly through YouTube searching and I knew nothing about him, but he immediately started talking really plainly about music theory, which I have a background in on from piano and stuff, but I never really knew how to apply it to guitar, but he immediately applied it to guitar through a 10 minute video. And I learned basic stuff about music theory in that 10 minutes that I had never learned in the 30 plus years I've been playing piano. And it was so weird that, like, I I don't know why I, I always pushed it off as, like, it's probably not accessible or I don't want to put in the time to find it. or I'm not sure what the deal was. But, like, five minutes, found a guy, learned a bunch of stuff from him, and got done with the video. And, like, yeah, I'm going to buy his course. Like, I'm, I'm willing to pay this guy money because he taught me something for free and it pushed me ahead a little bit. And, I mean, like, obviously you don't have to buy courses for that stuff. But the point was... I found a free video that was quality and I took something away from it that now I know that I didn't know for 30 years. Um, and that's, that's super cool. Like there's so much good education out there on any topic. And with all of these things that I'm talking about, it's just been, it's been really motivational for me to have a goal to, and, and to feel progress on the goal, like to, to be able to read an Italian comment, you know, like that wasn't a goal of mine. It's not like I want to go around reading all the Italian comments, but just to be able to do that without having to process and like look things up just to see it, like that felt really cool. And I think there's a bunch of stuff like that, that I don't know that I want to get. So this is kind of a cool awakening for me to just learn stuff for the sake of learning that I can't necessarily turn into work. And also, Mm -hmm investing my brain in those things helps me not work when I need to not work. Like anytime that I need to a distraction from being, you know, concerned about work or projects, or if I get stuck, I can pull up my phone 
and take an Italian lesson and it gets my brain in an entirely different space. It has to be in a different space to be right. able to do it. So, so yeah, that's really good. cool. Anyway. A couple of websites. <clears throat> I'm actually subscribed to three different learning websites. One is lynda.com. I've been using them for at least 10 years, maybe more, because when I worked at the agency, we had a subscription there. But now I have my own, but the Toledo Public Library, for their members, everybody gets a free free access to lynda.com. And I know a lot of libraries in in various cities have free access to lynda.com, which is, I think, normally like 20 bucks a month. So you might want to check that. It's a great source for a lot of learning software, businessy stuff, but there's also great uh, music courses, guitar, piano, and and whatnot. And then cool. I also use Skillshare, and Skillshare is there. It's kind of a mix match where of experts and people who play experts on TV. You know, because um, I think anybody can make a Skillshare course. Yeah. And um, so, but there's still really good content on there, and I still use that. And then for a year now, I've been paying for masterclass.com. I don't know if you've seen their Facebook ads, but, um, and they're kind of all over the place too, but it's like with celebrities, like teaching you the art of whatever. And I'm currently watching Neil Gaiman. Is that how you pronounce his name? The the author. And he's got a great one called The Art of Storytelling. And it's just, it puts me to sleep because the way he speaks is just so peaceful. <laughs> and it's just like, this is, oh, I just want, it feels, he's in, he's in his library and it's shot very dark and kind of uh, just dramatic lighting. And, uh, and I watch it at night and I'm just like, oh, this is, this is peaceful. This is great. And then the next thing I know, I'm like, I need to go to bed. Um, but there's, I mean, if you want to learn something, there's all these great places to go. Like even Masterclass has like guitar lessons. I think, um, the dude from Rage Against the Machine has a course on there on, on, on playing guitar. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's unlimited sources free on YouTube and then, and then the paid stuff. Hmm. I have a question, Bob. So, okay. I've played guitar since I was a teenager um, I've hacked my way through guitar since I was a teenager, but on the guitar, I see scales as shapes on the guitar. And then when I go to the piano, that doesn't apply. I like, because when you move up a step, the shape changes, you know, the, the, the whole, whole half, whole, whole, whole half. I can never I can't change. I can anybody can play in C major, but as soon as you go up to G or whatever, that that shape changes. How does a piano player comprehend that? Maybe you just um, don't see shapes. Maybe you just see steps. Yeah, I don't really I don't see yeah, I see the steps on a piano and it's See, I have the opposite problem whereas when I I learned piano, it's it's a linear, it's a big linear uh, repeating pattern, right? So if you do something at the bottom octave, it's the same at the top octave. It's, it's just this repeating pattern up the keyboard. Whereas guitar, the offset, everything is offset and everything is kind of weird. And the patterns are not the same as you move up the fretboard there, they change. And that's where I have problem translating piano to guitar. Whereas you have it, I guess the opposite way. I don't know to answer your question. I don't know how, um, I don't know. I guess it's just in steps. I get I get used to the the step of mm-hmm. 
And also, I think memorization is a big part of it. You know, when I think of a key, I just remember that this key has these sharps and these flats. And yeah, I don't know them all by memory or anything, but the few that I constantly play in, I just remember that there's always going to be an E flat in that one at 70 hmm. or whatever. Um, but I think some of the music theory that I'm going to learn and what I did learn in this one, you know, thing that I found, it it started to unlock how those two are different, but at the same time, how they're the same. The theory is the same between all instruments. And so it was kind of a piece that helped me go, oh, well, like, I natively knew that on a piano, and now I see how it, I see it on a fretboard, which I think is the big thing. I just didn't know how to translate what I see on the piano to what I see on the fretboard. And so I'm sure the opposite would be true as well. Yeah. Like if you're used to one, you can translate it back to the other. Yeah, but I, I don't really know. I've never been, I've always been comfortable on a piano. I've never been comfortable on a guitar. Um, and so I don't really have, they feel totally different to me. So I don't have a way to say like, well, I do this on this one and this, on, the gotcha. same thing on the other one, you know? But, I think you can, if you, if you, if guitar is your first instrument, you can handicap yourself because you can learn the shape of a scale and then you can just move that up and down the fretboard. And then a lot of times when you're learning guitar, you, you'll get these magazines or I guess nowadays people look on the internet, you see guitar tab. So you're not actually reading notation. You're seeing actually right. where to put your fingers and you're not actually learning music theory. And so you can, you can get by on guitar without learning much theory, you know, and just, Oh yeah. Pictures. Yeah. Well, you can get by on any instrument without True. learning theory. True. Um, but I think that you're, you're right. It definitely handicaps you from being able to learn something else. I don't know why we got so far into music, but I think, you know, <laughs> is if you're going to learn music, piano, even if you don't want to play piano, it is the great, I think, the best way to start because you can see it all in a linear fashion and you can see how things relate to each other on that spectrum of sound. And then when you translate that, once you understand that, you can translate it to any other instrument because every other instrument doesn't have a linear... Uh, it's, it's not visual in the same way. Mm. If you have an, a woodwind... Your fingers are doing all sorts of weird, crazy things that don't make any sense to what, you know, directly to what you're producing. Whereas on piano, if you press a number or a key on your left on the low end, it sounds low. If you press one on the high end, it sounds high, you know, that kind of thing. It's just <laughs> so if you learn, I think, in this big general kind of visual way, it makes it a lot easier to jump from that to something else and then to something else and then to something else. So that's why. A lot of the people that I know that are incredible musicians started on piano and then they found that, you know, guitar was their thing or trumpet was their thing, but they got their theory bass and their, you know, musical bass on piano. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway. That's funny. You know, anyway. it's so funny. Just the other day I was talking to Taylor and I said, I wish I knew how to play the trumpet of all the, I learned guitar when I was a kid and I just, I don't stick with it enough. And then since my hand injury, I, I, I'm, I play, I'm not, I'm not good. But trumpet is something I always, as I developed my affinity for jazz and started to really appreciate it as just not background noise and really understand it and pick certain players that I really, really, really like, I wish I could play the trumpet. And it's one thing I'm like, I'll never play the trumpet. I just, Why not? I'm never, ever. Well, I might. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's like my, my brain is like, I never will, but I would like to play it. I would like to uh, 
give it a shot. And my, my buddy, who's not, he lives up here, but he's not involved in social media at all. He actually, oddly enough, one night we were hanging out over here by the fire, and he's like, something, something. He's like, oh, yeah, I play the trumpet. I'm like, you play the trumpet? He's like, yeah. And I have a trumpet that I got in my flea market days. It's a brand new trumpet from like a high school. Somehow I ended up with it and it sits here in the house. And anytime people come, I'm like, there's only been two people I can play the trumpet. I'm like, play it. I never played it. I don't know what I to do with it. it. That's great. I gave it to my buddy Ryan and we were sitting by the fire and he's just like, that's why the other night on my stories, we were playing Miles Davis because we were talking about, and he's the guy who plays my buddy Ryan. He was here that night and uh, we were playing Miles Davis and it just ended up in some of the background stories of the cats. <clears throat> but I do you that's one thing I would love to ever- do. This could be a tool or an instrument. Do you ever have something, a tool or an instrument, that you don't know how to use or play, and you assume that since you don't have success on it, that it's broken, but then somebody comes over <laughs> and then just shows you, like, yeah, this works great. Like, I was having issues <laughs> with my... I wasn't getting good welds. And then my buddy comes over and just, like, beautiful, perfect. I'm like, oh, right. it's not the tool. It's the technique. <laughs> no, well, it's funny. The trumpet I have had now for over 12, 13 years, it sits around. And I look at it like a pair of pants that don't fit yet. One day I'll grow into them. I just keep <laughs> it around. It's just, it's like, it's like a point in space that I'll get to. I'll never get to it. On Let's, let's be real. But uh, <laughs> Bob shaking his head at me. <laughs> no, don't Not do to that. to be negative, but, uh, you know, uh, come on. I'm 53 years old. I'm going to stop playing the trumpet. Why not? I started learning Italian like one at 42, man. I'll be one of those annoying teenagers up in my room. <laughs> okay, practice. so here's the thing about here's the thing about trumpet. <laughs> You're talking about guitar. You used to learn how to play guitar. Guitar, you play chords, you play a bunch of notes at the same time, and you have to be aware of all of the notes on that are being played that they work together. Trumpet, uh, all brass instruments, woodwind instruments, single notes. There are no chords. You can't do a chord. Well, I mean, probably. Well, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to pick a jazz song and try and learn it on the trumpet now. That's going to be my goal. Do it. Since Just learn all... a scale. Learn a scale because it's a lot about, you know, like, wow, how did we get to this? It's a lot about uh, <laughs> lip technique. I and, have the instrument. I just don't have the learning. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do that. I'm going to do I'm going to do that. Cuz my nephew, my my sister's son is about 15. He plays the trumpet. I'm like blown away. And my my brother-in-law said to me about He's so it's about he was about nine or ten. My brother in law says to me, I know you're a huge Chet Baker fan. He says, like, could you recommend a bunch of good Chet Baker songs for for Dylan, my nephew, to learn how to play? And I, I gave him a list. I was like, these are all amazing songs. I mean, that would just get him started. I haven't heard him play in a little bit, but last time I heard him play, he was amazing. It's like wow, if I was twelve or thirteen years old and I knew how to play the trumpet as well as my nephew, like and I stuck with it at this point in my life, oh my God. Yeah. Mm. I was offered, my neighbor taught piano lessons, and I was offered to take piano lessons when I was like 10. And I said, no, I don't, like, imagine if I would have took piano lessons, and then guitar lessons, and then drum, like, (sighs) yeah, only if. So, I I started playing piano when I was six, and my, it's cool, because my kids are actually taking from the same lady that taught me when I was a kid. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But my parents forced me to take lessons my brother and sister who are older than me too so we all had to take lessons from the same people and they forced me from when i was six years old to when i was in maybe sixth or seventh grade 
And I just, it was a thing I always had to do and I didn't want to do it and I didn't want to practice and I whatever. And I always had to do, you know, Christmas recitals and all the stuff and I hated. And then at some point it like, I, I kind of remember the time period it became mine. And all of a sudden I realized that I could play stuff without having to read music and without having to, I didn't want to play other people's songs. I could just sit down and play. And it became a thing that I really wanted to do and I could do on my own. And I didn't need, you know, I didn't need to play with people. I didn't need to have music with me. I could just sit down and play. And it became a thing that I wanted to do. And then it was like, all of a sudden, like, I really want to go take more lessons. And then I moved from the teacher that I had to her husband, who was more of a jazz pianist. So he started teaching me a lot more complex stuff. And it was one of those things, kind of like you're saying, like, I... I didn't want to do it for a really long time, but my parents had the foresight to force me to a point and then be like, well, okay, if you want to quit now, you can quit. And by that point I was like, no, this is like a thing. Like I can impress <laughs> girls. That was a big part of it is like, mm-hmm. I can, I can sit down at a piano and play and all my jock friends are running around playing basketball and I'm like sitting here playing piano and the girls are swooning for this seven, right. <laughs> seventh grade like piano player. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, this is like, this is my thing. And you know, that was a really long time ago, and that's something that I've continued to use and and kind of just have in my pocket. Um, I mean, I didn't pursue music as a career or anything, but it is a thing that I, I definitely held on to. So, <laughs> anyway, if you ever want to learn trumpet, you have people around you that know trumpet. You want to yep. hop on Skype and have a trumpet lesson? I will get my trumpet out, <laughs> and we will have a trumpet lesson, and I will help you oh get God. started. Because my son How is playing baritone. <laughs> no, my son's playing baritone. I mean, in my house. Oh, well, yeah. That's not my problem. <laughs> Seriously, you're no, not too old to, to start that. I think you No, I, I, it's, I'm going to grab it today. It's so funny. This is like an honest revelation. We started at the beginning of this podcast be like, what are we going to talk about today? I'm like, I don't know. Let's just get started and just goof off. And now here we are. I'm like telling the world I'm going to learn at least one thing in trumpet before the end of the year. That's not a goal. You did one it. One thing. Yeah, that's it. it. Here we go. I, I, when I woke up an hour ago, I was no way I was ever going to touch that trumpet. <laughs> now I'm committing to it. <laughs> like, oh, let me just throw in some chip baker. I don't care. I'm never going to have to learn this. So you can just listen to it and enjoy it. What? I'm going to destroy every song I love. I haven't been a maker all my life. I didn't start woodworking until, you know, my late 30s. So you never. I think it's really important. Like, it doesn't matter how old you are or, or where you're at <clears throat> with the internet we have access to so many things like just jump yeah, in and it. do it i said it a half hour ago now i'm committing i'm yeah. committing that's it yeah. i'm doing it i'm well, gonna I learn to I... speak italian and i'm gonna learn how to play trump there you go yep. wow you have a lot of work ahead of you but right on <laughs> you and i can fake italian to each other i think another big important thing there david like you're talking about is that these these things can just be for the sake of learning them it it like no matter what it is, you don't have to learn something to necessarily be able to turn it into a revenue stream or a way to get something or a way to connect. You know, it can just be for the sake of knowing. And, and, and I think for me, it's less about knowing the thing and more about the, the dedication to learning the thing. I don't really need to know how to learn Italian. You know, I don't need to know how to speak it, but forcing myself to invest in something a little bit every single day for a year at least has been really good and i want to do more of that type of stuff so anyway 
I did not expect that to turn into a 35 minute preamble. <laughs> Here so, we are. what do you guys what do you guys been working on? <laughs> Last week I put out a couple videos. This is a thing that I'm trying to do is is more videos. We uh, we took the router lift out of a router table and we threw it into the miter stand and that was a success and I saved so much room in my shop and Dan edited that video and it came out pretty good. Um it was really nice to have somebody else do the all the hard work. He did well I had to do a final pass, but we are uh, we're, we're we're setting the path for for future videos. Like the edit that he gave me was down to like 15 minutes. And then I'm like we can we can tighten this up. And so I got it down to a little over a little over 10 minutes. And um there's there's uh there's editing and then there's figuring out the flow of a video. I think YouTube videos are different than than like watching a documentary or a movie because when you when you pay to see a documentary or you watch a, a movie, you're investing your time. I think with with people watching YouTube, if you don't hook them right away, they're off to the next YouTube video. So flow of video of a video is very important. So I'm pretty sure he'll pick up on that pretty quick. He's he's super he's a super quick learner. So it's nice to have Dan editing now. And then we put out another video of this crazy new drill press that I got from from Nova. There's kind of a funny story. I wanted to remove the big floor standing drill press from my shop and put it in the garage and then get a bench top. Because I, I realized I don't need this huge drill press in my workshop. I It just takes up way too much space. I'm like, well, I'll need a bench top. Well... I might as well buy the last benchtop drill press I'll ever buy. And so I did a little bit of research and the Nova one had these nice depth stop features and direct drive motor and consistent torque. It's a real, it's an incredible machine. I never knew anything about it. So I watched the video. It's, I wrote you right away. I was like, what a cool machine. And the video was great too. Thank you. And so I didn't, I, I just stopped research. I'm like, this is the one I didn't even read all of the features. I'm like, this has what I want. It's got really good reviews. I ordered it on Amazon and then I got a message from somebody at Nova saying, Hey, it looks like you ordered one of our machines from Amazon and it's being sent back to us. The shipper couldn't contact you. And I'm, by the way, I'm a fan. And I was like, I don't know. I just checked Amazon said it's supposed to be here tomorrow. And he's like, okay, maybe it's, maybe it's the shipper's mistake, but contact me if, if you have any issues. And then the next day, no, it didn't show up. And so I'm like, yeah, for whatever reason, the, the, the freight company said they tried to call me, but I don't have any messages. So I actually then canceled the Amazon order and then ordered it directly from them. And they, they shipped it to me. And they're like, hey, will you do a review? And I was like, well, I don't normally do reviews, but I do plan on doing a video of uh, why I'm switching out drill presses. And so... Uh, <laughs> I still ended up paying for the for the drill press, but now I have this relationship with the company, and and uh, we made this silly little video. I think it it's, it was fun. We the last a- the last two frames. I'm not going to give a spoiler alert. You have to watch the video for the last two frames. I, I apologize in advance. That's all I can say. So <laughs> it was so funny. We went. Into- it was a huge laugh, by the way, when <laughs> I watched you. it. It was a huge unexpected laugh. We went. I think so. uh, the, the, that, that video has a different feeling because we went into it. I've never done an unboxing. And um, and so we open up this drill press on camera and we get it set up. And 
I'm learning about some of the new features on camera. Some people are like, yeah, I can't believe you would buy a drill press that you didn't know all the features. And it was true. Like what you're seeing on camera was my actual reaction. And it does this thing where you can electronically set a depth stop and as you're, it'll automatically start as you pull down the lever. And then once it gets to that depth, it, the, the, uh, what do you, the spindle, the whatever the, I don't know my parts. It stops. Spinny part. Spinny part. It stops the and then part. goes into reverse. So you can pull like automatically. And I was just like, I knew it did the stop, but I didn't know it did the reverse. And I don't know. I was just like, what the crap? This is amazing. And it has some other really cool features on there, a variable speed. And so uh, since the video was not scripted and we didn't know what the outcome was going to be, it had a very like organic feel. And then I thought it was amazing. It was great. Thank you. And I'm always trying to make Dan laugh uh, on camera to screw him up. It's kind of one of the things I like to keep the the videos kind of the environment fun when we're shooting. But most of the time, those things get edited out because they're not for the video. They're really dumb jokes or jokes people wouldn't get or just too crude for for YouTube. But I'm always trying to make Dan laugh to screw him up because it keeps our our filming lighthearted. And... uh, and so we kept a couple of those things in there, and so not, yeah, there's this silly little joke, but yeah, we had a we had a good time filming a couple of videos. Did you get any pushback on that silly little joke? Because I thought it was hilarious. Not really, not really. One guy was like, "You're trying too hard to be funny. I'm out of here." So, um, but no, I thought it was I thought it was extremely it was extremely natural and and flowed well. And yeah. I, I said there was a lot of laughs for me. Yeah. I just I put it on quick, and then I saw one of the comments. It's like. Whoa, I'm glad I stuck around to the end. So I'm like, all right. So I got to watch the whole thing. I didn't want to fast forward because I didn't want to see whatever it was out of context. Right. And honestly, it was it was really well done. It was, so. and you, it relates to something that just flowed off. It was totally, my, it was totally natural. The beginning of the video. So yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was totally funny. natural. And then <laughs> on a more serious note, my buddy Joel Washington came over and gave us some welding tips and we recorded that. And that video should be out in a couple of days. And that was really good. Because we we got all set up and we went over the basics of getting the the welder set up and going, and then he's like, "Okay, we're gonna do a a T joint or a butt joint here," and he did his line and he's like, "All right, now you do yours." And mine looked awful. And then he's like, "Okay, here's what you need to do." My very next one was almost perfect. Just somebody there telling me what I was doing wrong was such a huge help. Like. You can watch a bunch of YouTube videos over and over again, or you can read books. But when somebody's there just to tell you what you're doing wrong, it it changes everything. Yep. And um, and now I I know what it feels like to get to do a right, the correct weld. So that was really really helpful. And that video should be out in a little in a couple of days. So Joel, if you listen to this, thank you for coming over. It was it just put me light years ahead of where I was. That's awesome. Uh, it's funny because we did something kind of similar, except it was Josh welding for the first time, MIG welding for the first time. And I don't, I mean, I'm not a teacher. I don't have enough experience to be able to really tell people the right or the wrong way to do it from scratch. But he started welding and I got to watch him weld. And in the, just being an observer, I could see what he was doing wrong. Whereas if I was actually doing it, I probably wouldn't recognize what I was doing wrong. Mm. And so I tried to give him some tips just from like watching. I'm like, oh yeah, your angle is 
incorrect or you're going too fast or whatever. It's things that you can see if you're not actually the one doing it. And so even though I don't have the expertise to be able to really teach somebody, it was a cool opportunity to teach him kind of, or really correct him, you know, as he just figured it out on his own. Um, but we did kind of a similar thing for an upcoming video as well. It'll be out in a few weeks, but that's cool, man. I'm glad it went well. It went really well. It's good. You know, going off of what you were saying there, the best way to learn something is to teach something, right? Because apparently, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you're going to teach somebody, you really, you, you, you really have to focus and you have to do a little bit of research or you have to have experience. And, um, I mean, maybe that goes back to just me making YouTube videos. I started making, whoa, did Bob lose his power? My lights just went out for some reason. Go ahead. Uh-oh. Um, but, um, you know, I started making YouTube videos, and I was teaching something that maybe I shouldn't be teaching yet, but it forced me to learn woodworking and all these different techniques really fast. So, yeah, if you want to be good at something, teach your friend how to do something. Yeah. For real. <clears throat> Uh, this speaking week, of I'm... teaching, oh, oh, well, well, I was go I was going to ask Talk you Jimmy, if you had any classes coming up. Uh, you know, it's funny we're we're working on because the classes. Uh, this could be the uh, there's two things I got to talk about as far as the schedule here in East Durham. The classes we're going to have classes toward the end of the summer because the summer is just so busy between me and Taylor. We really don't have time to like nail down a dates. We've been sitting here trying to nail down a dates. On top of that, last year we took a big swing and it was fairly stressful trying to get everything done behind the scenes. And so this year, uh, we're going to do probably two, maybe three classes toward the end of the summer. But we're working with the Blackthorn Resort here to host bigger classes that I'll be completely involved in so that they have the facilities, they have catering, they have lodging, they have space. So it's three miles down the road from my house. So that's what I'm talking with Austin, who ran the Catskill Maker Camp. His family facility, we might do the classes there. And we're talking about leatherworking, blacksmithing, knife making, and I will absolutely be 100% there the entire time when we do those classes. So it's just a matter of space and having people on hand, you know, because people are always like, you don't teach? I'm like, no, I'm busy like emptying garbage cans and grabbing recycling and, and, you know, but I am completely involved when we do it at the house. But if we do it at the Blackthorn, I could be totally involved and not necessarily being the primary teacher, but be the teacher's aide. And what I provide mostly during these classes is inspiration and a lot of, I could bring my experience of of how to learn and, and how to experiment and how to be childlike and how to play. And so that's really my expertise when it comes to these classes. And I'll be able to do that more if we do it at the Blackthorn Resort. And so me and Austin started talking about it last week. We're going to nail down some dates and uh, that's probably what's going to happen. And then as far as the racetrack, the racetrack event, uh, I am up for two things that will, either one of them will take me out of East Durham for half of May and most of June if I get either one of these particular jobs. So we're moving the racetrack event right now to July 4th. And I hope that doesn't screw anybody up. The racetrack is always going to be there. If anybody wants to come and ride on my racetrack at any time, it doesn't have to be with the group. It's it's always going to be open. But we're going to move the racetrack event to July 4th. And I know that's mm. like Bob's birthday and Bob's like making groany sounds. Mm. Yeah, can't come. <laughs> oh, you can bring the whole family, actually. You can. You can come. You can speak Italian the whole time. 
<laughs> Only if you play trumpet. That'll be the, our two I'll, weird I'll, things. I'll do Reveille to get everyone going. <laughs> nice. No, but we're going to move the uh, racetrack event to July 4th because it seems like May 22nd and 23rd, I won't be in New York as much as, uh, again, these two, I, I'm up for one show or another. And either one of them, maybe none of them will happen, but chances are something's going to happen. It's going to take me out of New York for, and I don't want to get too close to that date to switch it. So, and uh, also that May 23rd is Memorial Day weekend and the Blackthorn is fairly booked. So they're like, it's a bad weekend for me. And it's a bad weekend for you. And uh, even if we have 10 people showing up for the racetrack event, I can't really host 10 people at the house. I'd like to host people from around the country and the world if they're going to come to the event. There's a lot more room and a lot more facilities at the Blackthorn Resort. So that's my news. And on top of that, while I'm talking, this week I made this incredible stool. And I'm, I'm saying incredible about something I made because I learned so much. There's a lot of techniques. I made this steel stool for Shaquille O'Neal and Tonka. And I was doing a lot of stories on it. And then the person who hired me to do it said, just roll back on the stories because we don't want any input from any other people involved. He didn't want somebody online to see mm. it and go, you know what? I don't really like the logo placement on that. This He's mm. like, let's just wait till it's completely done. And then this way it's done. And they'll be like, oh, my God, that's great. He goes, if somebody, in pro- somebody involved in the licensing aspect of all this sees it, they might start saying, you know what? I don't like that. I don't like that. He goes, let's, so, mm. let's just wait till it's done and then ask for. It's not a bad idea. You know, <laughs> Yeah, he said, let's not, because he, he just, this was totally rogue. He's like, oh, Shaquille O'Neal's coming to this event. He needs some place to sit. Joey, can Jimmy make this? This is my brother. It's my brother's friend. Ask Jimmy if he could make this thing. It might be a cool video opportunity. And I said immediately, yes. And thank you to Lincoln for coming and repairing my plasma cutter, which has been really buggy for the last year. They came and rebuilt the entire thing, changed the computer out. My plasma table is like one of the first five ever built in this new series. So my plasma table is kind of was like always like a beta and now it's up to speed with the rest of the the world as far as uh you know the upgrades and whatnot so the machine has been operating amazingly and so i took this opportunity i said to lincoln i'm like hey i got this opportunity to make this stool for shaquille o'neal it's going to have some branding on it some famous branding and and i really want to do the plasma table but i don't want to have to farm it out i want to do it here on location so they sent iggy right away game iggy's one of the technicians at torchmate came rebuilt the whole machine like he immediately responded. So that was great. And I thank them wholeheartedly for that. And, uh, but me making this thing, it involved bending metal. It involved uh, a lot of sheet metal work, rivets that I'd never done before, um, tack welding, which I have, and I never really had to implore it in the shop. I finally did use my tack welder and uh, a lot of vinyl cutting, a lot of hand bondo work. It's all going to be in the video. And it was great wow. to use all these various techniques that I just know a little bit about and putting them all together and coming up with some really good results. I was very proud of the, the net result of the uh, the stool itself. And it's 40 inches tall. We hope Shaquille's butt is at the right height so that he could just kind of <laughs> cheek up onto it. Everyone who did some research, I got a collective opinion. Everyone said 40 inches seems like the right height. So I'm like, all right, we'll do 40 inches. And it's giant. Like in the video, I climb up on it like a baby. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. Before so I don't know. Go- the video is ready to go, but it just doesn't have inserts of Shaquille sitting on it. Yeah. So we might wait for some still shots of him sitting on it, which will be next Saturday. Oh, that's cool. I don't hmm. know. We'll see. I'll decide. Maybe I might post it early and then later change the thumbnail to just him sitting on it. I don't know. I, the video is good, and I'm kind of raring to go. So I might post it without him in it. 
I also want to talk about your hammer briefly. That the, the brass hammer. Oh, that was oh, thank super you. Yeah, cool. That was a good one. Yeah. So you thank found you. some old lamp that was pure brass and melted. Yeah, and, uh, that's so crazy. Right next to my shop, there's a guy who recycles cans, and lately he's been recycling any kind of metal. So everybody in the immediate area knows if you want to get rid of metal, just dump it there, and and Ed will take it to the to the recycling bin. And that morning, I walked by that, and I was like, whoa, is that a... Every morning, I go out and look and see, because sometimes they put out good objects that just happen to be metal, and I hoard them. And that morning, that, that brass coat rack <laughs> was sitting on top of everything, and I said, I go, That's kind of, that looks like real brass. And I picked it up, and it was spray-painted gold, but it was real brass. So huh. somebody spray me to keep it from tarnishing. Weird. You couldn't really see that in the video. It looks like pure brass. And... Uh, Right away, uh, it's funny. Right away, Aaron goes, "That's that 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 might that's, that can't be brass. Nobody would throw that away." He said something to that effect, and and then a couple of fans immediately in the comment section, like, "I can't believe that was real brass. Why would somebody a throw that out? And why would they make that coat rack out of brass?" Right. And then somebody commented, and it didn't even occur to me. Someone's like, "Dude, that thing's like a genuine antique." Like, well, it's a hammer now, so it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> If, it's, if it was made today, if you bought that on Amazon, it would cost you $25. It would be gold-plated, and it would be made out of tin. But even the screws and the shaft of the screws were all brass. Everything was brass. Huh, and I and I was afraid I didn't have enough, and I almost didn't have enough to make the hammer that I wanted. So I ended up throwing some bullet shells. And then in the past, when me and Brett cast a few things, there was a couple of little uh, pucks in the bottom of the of the crucible, so we melted those as well. So it, we added a little bit more to it than what was in there. But, I mean... 80% of it is the coat is the coat rack. It really it, it it melted down to a considerably smaller amount than I expected, but it, I it was um, fun. because of my lack of knowledge and experience, I expected there to be some gaps or holes or I would imagine like not everything that you were melting down was pure so there might be Cohesive. some impurities in there and then when you well, I expected them to to pull to the top so you slag it off you like kind of spoon it out okay but there were some voids in it and then a couple of pros wrote me notes my buddy Clark who's a uh, from Windy Hill Foundry he said you didn't put any uh he says if you put like ground glass in there there's a couple of things that would make the impurities float away Mm. in like kind of like a flux huh. and so he told me a couple of things and he said did you clean out the tube for the thing i said no he said did, was there oil in the tube i said probably so he said these are the couple of reasons why you got those a few voids that that, I, that were in there so hmm. I, what were you going to say i cut you off no that i mean basically i was gonna like you on camera it didn't look like i mean i'm watching it probably on my phone so i didn't see any of yeah. the the... There was a little bit of voids in the face, and I didn't want to get them completely. If I was to get rid of them totally, then it would I would lose probably about a half a centimeter. Mm. And I thought to myself, the hammer is going to get banged up. It's going to I'm going to use it in the machine shop, tapping tools and tapping on dies and stuff. So what does it matter? I'll face it off again eventually later. Mm -hmm. But my concept was to make a hammer that was very geometric in the way that it it, it stands on every end because. Every time I'm working at the lathe or the bridge port, I go to put the hammer down. Unless you put it completely on a surface where the handle is like 90% over the surface, it'll fall on the floor. And so that was the very specific reason I made this hammer so square and chunky. So that when you put it down, you could put just the head on the edge of the table of your bridge port and it's not going to flop on the floor. And the handle's also in space. You can grab it. Which reminds me of your Instagram story of the the lathe tools that constantly fall. Same thing with me. And you you oh yeah you put a, a flat edge on one of them and said, yeah, hey Rockler, maybe you should 
do this in a, in a future version. Yeah. Which, which you said it in a nice way. Like this is, you yeah. know, all products can be improved in some sort of way. And I'm like, right. yeah, my lathe tools fall all the time. It's so, it was making the experience so annoying. I mean, I took, I did that thing in three takes. The first one was like, this was driving me nuts. I'm like, I sound so angry. So I redid the... <laughs> But it it's like having four eggs, and like every time you put them down, they just roll right onto the floor. Mm-hmm. That's what those lathe tools are. They have this big bulgy center, that, and it has no center of gravity. It's like the minute you put, you could put them on a perfectly flat table, and if the world like shifts a little bit, they're gonna just go onto the floor. And it was driving me crazy, and I couldn't understand like why was this lathing experience so frustrating to me? And it's because I'm constantly bending down to pick the tools up off the floor. Even when I put them on the table that is designated for my lathe assistant table. So I had a flatten. That's it. That's funny because, like, underneath my lathe, I, I built a little cart for it to go on. And the section right underneath the bed of the lathe has a dip in it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I put my tools because they won't roll away because the, they're down. I didn't do it on purpose, but I just realized that, like, I've never run into what these guys are talking about, because mine always <laughs> kind of just drop down into that thing. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm pretty smart. I don't know. It yeah, was a little accident. Than... Well, you, speak, you do speak Italian, so... <laughs> <laughs> I only uh, speak American. Only speak American. Well, let's see. For me, <laughs> what, did we, what did we do last week? Uh, we put out our video about the podcasting table that we made. Um which was a, a very simple table with just a, a butcher block top, but it I just, turned out really nice. My favorite yeah. element of that table is uh-huh. uh, you the, the face of it with the CNC design. Um, you painted it gray, right? It, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then the way the shadows are black against that gray, I absolutely love. I've in my I, If I was making that, I probably would have went black. And then seeing that, I'm like, no, gray was the perfect choice for that because it looks super cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we went back and forth on the color. We wanted the inset cuts to be, to look inset, right? So we went back and forth on like what color the the depth should be versus the face and tried a few different things uh, in Fusion and this one worked out pretty well. So I, it was kind of weird because cutting in MDF, you get like, no matter how good the cut is, you still end up with a texture on that surface. And when it's down in something, you can't really sand all of it to get it smooth. And so I primed that those insets and then painted them with the hope that it would kind of even that out, keep it a little smooth. But up close, there is definitely a texture within the cuts that's not on the face. But it really kind of gives it a little bit more depth than what is there. So it looks fine on camera, which is all that's really important for this thing. But... Um, yeah, so we did that table, and then we've been kind of prepping. We're we're kind of ahead, which is crazy. Like we've got videos. We're working on something for the middle of March right now. <laughs> we're about to start that, yeah. which is pretty wild. Um, we this week we've got a new between the builds coming out, which I think Anthony killed again with the edit and with the shooting. Awesome! And so I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because we got a. Last week sometime, I woke up to a text from Jocko asking when the next Between the Builds was coming out. I love <laughs> it. And I'm like, that's good. That yeah. means that he was like, I just, I like them. I want another one. So I do too. That's, that's great. They're good. just really natural. It's just kind of like, oh, we're hanging out. This is what's going on. Um, yeah. Keep those going for sure. Cool. That's good to hear. Uh, we've got 
that one coming, and then we've actually shot another one when we were in Chicago that it won't be out for a while. We're going to space them out a little bit. but So, yeah, that's what we've been doing. Um, we kind of did the show in reverse this yeah. week, but do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good show. Okay. Uh, well, let me thank our Patreon supporters while you figure out what you want to recommend. Um, big thanks to everybody over at Patreon. We don't get sponsors. We don't try to get sponsors. Uh, we've turned down some sponsors because of all the support on Patreon, and that's really super cool. And there's a ton of people over there that help us out at different levels. The top supporter, the uh, the top group of supporters is Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker and Training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, You Can Make This Too, Modern DIY, Odin Leather Goods, and Jenny and Davis. And a lot of that group, and probably a lot of the other people that support us there, are going to be at WorkbenchCon this weekend, which... I guess if you're listening to this, is either happening or has already happened. But anyway, we're going to be there. And if you're there, come say hi. D- uh, Jimmy and I are going to be there. David's not going to be there. Yep. David, you should. <clears throat> um, yeah, so if you want to help out the show through Patreon, that would be super cool. We would really appreciate it. Go to patreon.com slash making it and sign up. And everybody over there gets the after show, which I don't know what we're going to talk about today, but it's always something. <laughs> is, is that a good enough sell? I, I'll, I'll talk, talk about, about my almost something. secret trip that I had to make this weekend. Ooh, oh, you didn't make it? Trip. I didn't make it, no. Mm. Oh, wow. I have uh, those those dueling competitive things that might happen for me in May. I can mm. talk a little bit about those. Mm, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, I have you guys... Money. What do you got? I want to talk about a brand new channel that has one video and 300 subscribers, and hopefully you guys could uh, change that number, get in there. My buddy Patrick, who I met through the YouTube YouTube stuff, I met Patrick through YouTube, and Patrick realized when he was looking at my videos of me in this house, he's like, oh my God, that's the house I grew up in. So Patrick's uncles own this house from like 1960 to like the 80s. What? So for almost 30 30-something years, Patrick's, uh, yeah, oh, just about 30 years, Patrick's family owned this house, and he spent his childhood years coming here as a vacation house. And uh, he also still has a house in the vicinity that he bought with his immediate family over 30 years, 25 years ago. So anyway, so this has been his stomping grounds for many, many years, including this house, which he intimately knows. And we became friends, and he says, how can I get involved? And just at that point, he offered to wire the barn. So the new barn in the back, Patrick completely wired, dug the trench with me, worked completely like hand in hand as the electrical contractor and still does. And all this time he's been wanting to do a channel. He finally found some time. And the first video we shot of him installing the electric for the barn heating. And he said, what can we do in the house that we could use to make another video? And I said, well, I have this one outlet we can change, which is really janky. And that one outlet, there's no joke, that one outlet led to him changing and placing 15 outlets in the house. All in one little section of the house. That's just on two breakers. So one outlet, we actually, we added one, two, three, we added about eight and replaced the rest. No, we added about 10 and replaced five. So there were five that just had to be completely redone. And then the rest are just completely brand new. So there's a video of the installation of the electrical all around the boiler in the big barn and 15 outlets replaced or exchanged in the house. 
or installed. And uh, the videos are they're a little clunky, but they're they're not bad. And uh, Patrick's great on camera, and I'm in them a little bit, talking from behind the camera, giving him some direction, and asking some naive questions as a as a home homeowner talking about oh is that how you do it so um i'm helping him get started uh, teaching him how to edit and uh, so his channel is up he has two videos we're going to soon to be making the third and it's patrick reynolds electric and i'll send you guys the link so it's not easy to find you know like when you first start a channel it's hard to search it yeah yep i found it i got the link in there already oh terrific cool what you got david so i got a really good one here a couple of good ones uh, if, if you've seen the movie Ford versus Ferrari, if you haven't seen it, it's I highly recommend it. It's really good. I watched it in the theater and actually just rented it again. But uh, Vanity Fair has a video with the mixing engineers, the sound mixing engineers, and it's really, really good. They go into basically they they break apart all the um, the the different layers of sound that they use for the movie and nothing if you haven't seen the movie you can still watch this it doesn't give anything away and it's just fascinating to know that there for one scene it might have like a hundred different tracks because you've got the you've got the music and then you've got all the different sound effects they talked about how they recorded all the different engine sounds from from an actual car um that that they found and so they went to some guy's house in michigan and recorded for two days all these engine sounds and then brought it back to the studio to use it for the movie so and then there's a companion video for this that it it just came up in the suggested another channel called indie mogul they did a um kind of a breakdown of the different scenes with one of the film um I i forget what the guy's role is maybe the um not the director, but somebody somebody else who who is involved in the in, in the video, and they they kind of talk about how the different scenes were made, and I'm, I'm rambling here, but he what he's what looks like is CGI and computer generated is not. They did shoot a mm. lot of it, and then they kind of give you behind the scenes of like we did have blue screens set up here or green screens set up here, so we could make this factory look like it was longer than what it actually was. But they shot it in, in a factory, and then at the very back they just added a couple little blue screens to to like double the length of it. And I was like, that's a really really cool trick. And then what looks like windows is actually LED light panels. Because there were windows in this factory, but the light changes throughout the time. So it's really cool behind the scenes of how things are made. And if you're a maker, you're, you'll love these two videos. But one is by Vanity Fair, and the other one is Nimogo. Good movie. Cool. Good behind the scenes. I've wanted to see that movie, but I never got around to it. So that's good to hear. I'll have yeah. to watch it. Um, so it, uh, mine is, uh, I'm just going to say Duolingo. Because it's what I've been using to learn Italian, and it's free. Like, you can learn, uh, there's hundreds of languages on there, I think. And it's totally free to use. And they have an app and everything. They're not sponsoring anything. I wish they would, but they're not. It's just a good app. <clears throat> and, um, and yeah, I mean, I've been using it for over a year now. And the app itself has improved a lot in that time. So that's been pretty cool. But So if you're interested at all in learning Italian, Jimmy, or anything else, anybody else, you should <laughs> go check it out. It's, uh, Do they teach trumpet on there? Maybe. I don't know. Is that a language? Yeah. Somewhere? Yeah. So go check that out if you want to. 
You guys got anything else? Mm-hmm. You know when you bite your broken fingernail and it starts going into the danger zone, like into your nail bed? Mm. Yeah. Why we got to talk about that? that. <laughs> Next week on Making It, Jimmy bites his fingernails. <laughs> Too deep. Right. Too deep. You guys got anything else? <laughs> that's, that's it. Nope. Okay. Love cool. you. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Love you.